0: This is the Apartment Building Investing Podcast with Michael Blanc, episode 162. Let's do this. You're listening to the Apartment Building Investing Podcast, where we'll talk about all aspects of buying apartment buildings with a special focus on raising money from others. And now, your host, Michael Blanc. Hey there, and welcome to the Apartment Building Investing Podcast. I am your host, Michael Blanc. Really excited you're here. Hey, real quick, I'm trying to get much better on social media, specifically Instagram, so make sure you check it out. I'm on the Michael Blank on Instagram, trying to provide some updates and little tidbits that you won't get anywhere else. Also, I want to remind you, Dealmaker Live is coming up in Dallas, July 26th and 27th. Everyone who's everyone is going to be there. Several hundred people expected there at the Hilton Anatole. Awesome venue. We already checked it out. It's going to be really, really cool. We have Robert Helms speaking from the Real Estate Guys. Joe Farrell is going to be Adam Adams, Corey Peterson. Brian Burke, Andrew Cushman, everyone's going to be there for for that one. So make sure you check it out. Uh, go to the michaelblank.com forward slash event, or just Google deal maker live coming up July 2627. Again in Dallas. So make sure you check that out, grab your tickets because the ticket prices are going up. All right. So today I'm really excited to have Danny Rendoza with me on the show today. Danny basically, at the time of his recording, was just a few days away from quitting his job. By the time this airs, he will actually have quit his job already, which is really, really exciting. He talks about the mentality of transitioning from a W-2 to not, and it's not as easy as you would think. A lot of people hem and haw over this. Some some actually delay it for for several years before pulling the trigger because of their, their grip on that constant paycheck. So we talked a lot about that. Also, of course how he got started, and like so many people, did not get started with multifamily, but something else, and then finally transitioned into multifamily, struggled with raising money and how you overcame that. So really, really powerful episode with Danny Rendoza. Make sure that you stay on, on board here, and let's get right into the interview with Danny. Here we go. Danny, welcome to the show today.
1: Michael, thank you so much for having me on. I am ecstatic to be here. Really appreciate the opportunity to speak to you and your listeners.
0: Well, you are. I'm really excited because you are just days away from quitting your job. In your mind, what's that like? You know, it's an overwhelming feeling. You kind of have
1: days or hours where there's this joyful greatness moment. And then you've got, you know, days and hours where it's like, oh boy, is this the right decision? And kind of that gut check of maybe something similar to like buying a property. So, you know, you always are excited once you get that offer and the contract on the property, and then you're like, is this the right investment? Is this the best thing for my time? And so I I kind of balance back and forth, but I absolutely know. And something that my dad instilled in me early on, he said, Danny, you can do whatever you put your mind to, but he said, There's gonna come a point in time where you are playing in two sandboxes and you need to pick one. And so I'm at that point where you know, my corporate job is no longer providing what is needed for my family and I. And so my real estate sandbox and my syndication business and all of that is the place that number one, I want to be in. And I have fun with it. And I love it. And number two, it's going to provide the most value and the best opportunity for myself and my family where I can really control my time. And I think that's what it comes down to. And I know, you know, Michael, you and I have kind of had some conversations around time a little bit. But I think a lot of the listeners really desire their control of their time and financial destiny. And I think the downside to the W2 job is that You don't have control of your time and you don't have control of your financial destiny. If that company shuts down or you are no longer needed, then that goes away.
0: That's exactly right. Talk about the transition from being employed to not employed because I'm just people I've interviewed on the podcast that probably could have quit their job three years ago, but they couldn't. They were just, the financials were there or they weren't sure, you know, in your mind, uh, why now? Uh, Why not wait or why not do it later? What is some of the uh, consideration or, or, or thought that went into your transition there?
1: Yeah. And I can't, you know, I can't say that I'm perfect at it or I know exactly what to do, but, you know, I just, it feels right. Our syndication business, you know, I work with a couple of partners, Dan Hanford and Brandon Abbott at passiveinvesting.com and we buy large apartment communities like you and your team Michael. So I feel like our business is really in a good position and focusing a hundred percent of my effort, attention is going to take us to that next level and it's going to really skyrocket our ability to succeed in that space. And so, Right now, I'm in that point where you know, the corporate job is holding me back or is no longer going to be holding me back once I you know, quit from that job in just a couple of days. And so I'm excited about that. And I think there's going to be a lot of upside from it from a very tactical, you know, personal, financial perspective perspective. I'm in a good position. You know, my wife and I had a discussion. We know that it's going to be a little bit scary, right? Where that W-2 paycheck doesn't hit your bank account every two weeks. But we've got enough in reserves. We have an idea of what our business is going to generate in the coming months and through the end of the year. And so it's going to be, we're going to be in a really good position. You know, if anything, it's going to make me work that much harder to ensure that we are doing the right things in our real estate business to make sure it can provide for you know, our essentials because we'll have to be achieving you know financial outcomes from our real estate business to put food on the table at this point. And so I think it'll be excellent and I'm ready to get out there and do the hard work to provide and put the food on the table from real estate.
0: Now, you said something that you're, work, you're going to work even harder. Danny, what is wrong with you? I thought you're now in a position to retire. Like, why would you work harder? What's it? What's, what will be different from working harder after you quit your job and before?
1: Well, kind of goes back to what I was saying about playing in two different sandboxes. And, you know, obviously the corporate job over the last years has deterred me from being 100% focused and dedicated. Now, granted, I do nights, weekends, early morning, and everything to get the real estate business to where it's at today but being a hundred percent dedicated with no other distractions in real estate i think i think the key word that i should have said is working smarter in the business and getting the right things done that are of the highest priority and so you know now i'll be able to focus my afternoon on maybe having a coffee or a zoom meeting or an in-person lunch meeting with a broker as opposed to having to do something with the corporate job. So I think it's gonna be about working smarter. And certainly, you know, I think my wife and I are in a financial position where we could retire and live off of the cash flow that our real estate portfolio generates, but that's just not in my DNA. And I would go stir crazy sitting around uh, not doing enough to feel fulfilled. And so, doing the real estate business, helping others along the way, and providing great opportunities for our passive investors to put their money in and trust us to achieve their goals and help their family. And you just benefit holistically. I think that's what drives me. And that's really what fulfills me. It's not any sort of monetary gain. That's just a byproduct of the hard work and you know, why I'm up early and why I'm up late doing real estate syndication for multifamily.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, the, the end goal is not retirement. Like you said, most people, it would drive them. And they might take a, a ton some time off and go on vacation for a month or two or three. After that, we will get bored. So we're gonna, always going to be doing something. To, I think the point what you're trying to make is that we, we're doing it on our terms, right? We control our time. We're flexible with that. Absolutely. Now, interestingly, you didn't start off with multifamily. It's kind of how you ended up accelerating the process. But how did you get started in real estate and why did you get started in real estate? What, what was it that was going on in time that made you scratch your head going, hey, I think I need to get started in real estate?
1: Yeah. I, I, um, when I started working for a corporate financial consulting company, I moved overseas. I lived in the United Arab Emirates for about a year and it was phenomenal excellent personal experience, excellent business experience, and an excellent way to get set up for financial success where I could live overseas and have the company pay for my living expenses. And I could just pocket and really build a nice equity nest egg. So I moved back to the US and I had some extra money in my checking account. And I said, what is the best purpose for this money? Should I buy a car? No. Should I invest in the stock market? Maybe. Should I buy a house to live in? And so I elected to buy a house to live in. I house hacked that in the Bay Area for another two years while I kind of continued finding myself through and while I worked as a financial consultant, helping businesses achieve and improve their financial performance. But all along the way, I was learning skills and really resonating my passion for real estate that started in high school by reading books like Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and commercial investing books by Dolph DeRoss. And so I knew real estate was an opportunity. And by house hacking, now I was continuing to build that equity nest egg over time. And so I really got started, my wife and I were having serious life conversations about what did we want to do with our lives and, you know, living in the Bay Area, commuting a bunch and traveling for work was not really in our agenda. And it's not what we envisioned us doing in the next five years, 10 years. And so something had to change. And so we quickly made a decision to sell everything that we owned in San Francisco. We moved to Charleston, South Carolina, and started building a real estate portfolio. The first property that we bought when we got to Charleston was a $1 million commercial office building. And that was after doing our due diligence in single family, some multifamily, and commercial properties. And the reason we bought that property was for cash flow. And so, kind of fast forwarding through that journey over the last few years while we've been in Charleston, we started just to buy in a market that we knew. And we knew the Charleston, South Carolina market was ripe for improvement and growth because it has job growth and population growth. And so we were just trying to buy anything and everything we could get our hands on over the last couple of years. And it worked out really well. We learned some great lessons along the way. One of those key lessons that we learned was the power or lack thereof in single family or commercial versus multifamily properties. Kind of the the scalability that multifamily has, the occupancy protection that it has because most of the population today wants to rent and most of the population is continuing to grow in the markets that we're looking at. And so understanding those, we really did a business pivot in the middle of 2018 and said, We need to solely focus on multifamily apartments because of the power that multifamily has. And I know, you know, the power of multifamily is something you speak about a lot, Michael, and I'm sure that listeners definitely appreciate the power that multifamily has. But the the one thing I want to highlight is when we decided to do this pivot for our business and really focus on multifamily syndication solely, it was a big tipping point for us because we were kind of getting to the point where our past was experienced, but yet we felt the mindset was Charleston, South Carolina was running out of deals. And so pivoting to multifamily and selecting some key markets around the country was absolutely instrumental to our success. And that was really able to jumpstart us to where we're at today and owning and controlling about 130 million and multifamily properties. And so I think you just have to be open to the journey. If you interviewed me two years ago and asked me where I would be today, you know, in the, the spring of 2019, I, I couldn't have predicted this, but we, we persevered. We overcame obstacles. We stayed focused and, you know, the the backbone of our success was just built on being open to change, and working hard to continue that journey.
0: Well, I think one of the things that really sets you apart is uh, you and your wife decided to, to to move. That's that's pretty extreme.
1: Yeah, and we made that decision. I think in about a two hour conversation, um, and once we made that decision, we were gone in a few months. I think three to four months from San Francisco to Charleston, and you know, I think that big change. And sometimes what I hear a lot within the real estate community is, you know, it's hard to find good deals or I don't have money to invest. And, you know, my, my thing with, with that from a follow-up perspective is you can move anywhere. You can change your living situation. And guess what? you yourself control your financial situation and financial destiny. And so if you don't have an equity nest egg available to invest and buy your first property, we'll change something in your life today and start building that. And you can start with a smaller egg than others have started with, but you need to start with an egg. You need to buy your first property and start building your real estate resume to go out and do some of these larger deals. And um, I think that's just the best way to to go moving forward. And so we just take the bull by the horns and said, we're out of San Francisco. We've looked at this real estate market. We're going to be able to accomplish so much more that we not want to, but need to accomplish for our life and our well-being and our wealth and personal fulfillment. We just need to move. And so we did it
0: you guys made the decision to basically take your, you know, financial future in your own hands, and you kind of act erratically, which is cool. And my observation is that people have done something similar to you have. In other words, they've somehow fundamentally decided that enough is enough. Those people are successful. It's just just one thing leads to another. And it's amazing. And then people who are not so sure, they're kind of not so sure what they want, they don't make these decisions, they tend to waffle a little bit. Talk about uh, at what point you, you said a lot of people are caught up by the fact they don't have the money to do some of these larger deals. Now, you had some amount of money, but you probably quickly ran out of this money. At what point did you start raising money and what was kind of your aha moment uh, as you started with that process?
1: Yeah, the after the first deal, we were kind of out of money. And so I knew going in, it was really important that we bought a, a property and had a proof of concept out there to start working with some really close Investors, and it was initially friends and family, and I, I literally started out one investor at a time i didn 't have a list of a hundred people to invest in a property. I literally called one by one by one until I had two people who said yes, and we bought our second property and so you know that 's why I say it's really important to have that equity nest egg to buy and get involved in your first real estate deal so you can build that experience because then when you go to do deal number two you're going to have that experience to fall back on and tell those future investors about the property you just closed you just did a value add to it you've repositioned it you've refinanced it and it's performing really well. And you're going to carry out the exact same or very similar business strategy to deal two. And by the way, would you like to participate as a passive investor in this opportunity? And you know, it's going to be challenging. Raising money is probably the hardest thing that you're going to do. But having conversations with a bunch of people early on is going to be the best foot forward to learn how you can... Hone in your real estate pitch and how to have conversations with people around you in your daily lives who may be interested in real estate investing but just don't know what to do yet. And you can be that conduit to maybe educate them, but also just share with them an opportunity to invest in real estate. And that's kind of how it happened for me. Natural progression. Once I started getting pretty good at having investor conversations, I had people proactively reaching out to Danny. And wanting to know what I do and how they could participate in a real estate deal. And so, you know, there's no magic sauce to having a bunch of conversations with people about investing in real estate. But I just encourage the listeners to start having them now, have that proof of concept, have a little bit of experience to fall back on, and then learn how to hone your pitch to raise a little bit more money for your future opportunities.
0: Yeah, a lot of people, uh first timers think, well, you know, I don't want to bother my, you know, potential investors. I don't want to beg or ask for money, especially friends or family. Why do you think that syndicators are actually doing passive investors a service by asking them to invest? I mean, what's why does the passive investor want to hear from you? They want to hear from us for a couple of different reasons. The first one is just about having
1: a different asset to invest their money in. A lot of these passive investors are uh, corporate professionals, they're business owners, they're doctors, they're attorneys and they're everyday folks who, you know, have extra income that they want to put to higher and better use as opposed to investing in the market and maybe earning 8 to 9% return. The power of real estate again, which you know, I think everyone is very familiar with and why we like investing in apartment communities is number one, the properties that we invest in produce cash flow the first month that we close. So that's money going into an investor's pocket. Number two, we have a value add strategy that we can control the forced appreciation or forced future value of the asset by ultimately increasing the NOI for the property and what it generates so it's worth more in the future. And so investors get to participate in cash flow from day one. They get to participate in future equity appreciation, and they can participate in tax advantages that real estate has that the stock market or other types of investments just don't provide to the similar scale that multifamily can.
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. And I love the way multifamily performed in the last recession. I mean, it's, it's incredible. The, the low default rate and and the performance of multifamily so you put all those reasons together favorable risk profile above average returns cash flow what else produces cash flow and the, and the favorable tax advantage it's insane i mean the probability that, that an investor is going to pay taxes is like really low it's it's amazing there's no I interviewed tom wheelwright uh, very recently and, and oil used to be pretty high up there but something happened in tax laws where now it's no longer the number one tax tax advantaged investment out there and it's multifamily due largely to the bonus depreciation that uh, that trump passed you know when he became president. It's incredible. I mean and, and this needs that this this needs to get out to uh, to a broader audience. So yeah to appreciate appreciate that. Now you also talked about uh you were partnering with someone or someone's why partner and what role does partnering with joint venturing play in your ability to scale a business.
1: Yeah I think partnering from Early on is a way that you can bring some of your background and work with others to kind of build and purchase more properties early on. I think you're going to just naturally need to have partners, maybe from a level of comfort where if they're going to invest most of the money into the project, they may want to have a little bit more control or be a member of that LLC or a managing member to make sure that their money is being directed and used as best as possible. So I think that's one advantage that partnering has. It allows you to kind of just be creative in how you can do deals. And then, you know, number two, once you get to a point where you kind of do what we do and syndicate 150 unit plus apartment communities, there's a lot of work involved in that. And so Today, I partner with two other guys, Dan Hanford and Brandon Abbott. And we kind of naturally found our partnership and it became a good fit for us. And it made more sense to work together to achieve greater results than work as individuals and get mediocre results. And so that was the decision that we made. And we kind of break out our roles and responsibilities in three different buckets. And so Brandon is kind of the due diligence person. He'll go out and tour the properties and meet with brokers because his background is in insurance adjusting and custom home building. So he can look at the construction, he can look at the materials and make sure that the product is something worth us pursuing. And then once he says it's okay and it's in really good shape, then I come in and do the asset management, kind of the underwriting of the deal to look at the numbers and what returns we can generate. And then Dan comes into that role as well. And we kind of talk, all three of us, about the numbers, about the returns. And then we'll go and do some marketing and conversations with our investors, which Dan really leads up from a marketing perspective. And so we've been able to really break out our roles today into a streamlined and efficient team. It's definitely a team sport. I think one person could syndicate deals, but they're maybe gonna do one or two a year because there's a lot of activities involved and a lot of repeat process that can be optimized with the right team in place. And so we're just really excited about the future and us closing more deals with our structure in place and our team being able to do. Much more together than as
0: individuals. Yeah, it's so key. You talked a lot about your your team, and I, if, if I'm hearing you correctly, partnering is so key to try to uh, try to scale up the business and to really pay attention to what you're good at, right? So, so one person might be really good at at asset management or underwriting. And the other person might be better at uh, raising funds, really clear about what you love to do, and then do that and partner with other people who maybe love to do what you don't love to do. And that is so key. Now, in your career, in your investing career, have you had any kind of failures or setbacks that really taught you a valuable lesson?
1: Yeah, I think there's always um, good learning opportunities along the way. You know, one important thing that comes to mind is kind of on that partnership uh, structure. And I think it's really important to understand the wants and needs. If you're going to partner with someone on a deal where maybe you JV together, so Michael, maybe you and I form an LLC and you're a 50% owner and I'm a 50% owner and we go and buy you know, some asset together. Um, It's really important for me to understand what your want and your need is from that property, just to ensure that we've got an alignment of interest and the goal and the vision of that property, say it's a five-year hold, you know, let's make sure that you and I are both on the same page to hold it in five years. And when that five-year term comes up, we are both on the same page and ready to sell that asset, you know, given the market conditions and we're in a good position to sell. But I think knowing that and having some of those experiences, I think I've learned some tough lessons along the way about alignment of interests or if someone's personal want or personal need changes, you again, need to remain flexible and just know that there's probably a solution not that there probably is, there is a solution and someone else has probably gone through it before. So utilize your network to talk through some of these challenges and just know that nothing is too incredibly difficult to overcome. While it may at the time seem like the worst thing that has happened in your lifetime, just know that you can kind of get through some of these hard decisions or conversations and you'll come out okay at the end.
0: Yeah, so true. We tend to learn more when things kind of don't go away, right? <laughs> so, yeah, that's so true. Now, what what kind of advice do you have for someone, uh, you know, who's in a W two job and they're dreaming of a of the of their last day? What is your advice to them about how they can kind of do what you've done?
1: I would say get right on your financial needs and include in that your financial goal. And so if your goal is to achieve financial freedom, let's understand what you need. And if you need $10,000 a month to pay for all of your living expenses, let's figure out how you can make $10,000 a month from real estate, income producing assets. And so it becomes a math equation at that point of, How many properties do you need to buy to generate $10,000 a month? Is it 10 single family homes in your market? Is it one commercial property? Or is it 150 unit apartment community? Because you've got a pretty big equity nest egg where you can pay for all of it on your own without bringing partners in so doing that math equation you can also then layer in well if i need to bring partners in how much ownership would i have and how many properties do i need to to bring on so do you have to double all of the numbers i just said in order to get that so figuring out your financial need with your goal i think is going to give you the best opportunity to kind of get laser focused on what assets you need to be focused on buying to get to a point of financial freedom where your assets produce enough income to pay for your living expenses and you'll be really comfortable to leave that corporate job because you know you've got income to pay your expenses. And I think that's something that a lot of people get caught up on is how can I leave? And doing that exercise on paper is going to give you the, the math of how you do it, and what properties you can target. And so tactically, that's really how we got started. And of course, throughout the journey, the numbers change, they may increase, they may decrease, most of us, our numbers are going to increase from an expense side. But we can then increase our assets and increase the cash flow that they generate to pair with that. And so that was the best way that I really got started looking at things was how can I generate enough income to pay for my expenses and then be in a position to say, okay, I'm taking the leap of faith, I'm quitting my job. I have quit my job. and you know now it's time to put you know the work boots on and get out there and go and buy more deals, generate more income, add more value to people's lives, and be fulfilled and be happy.
0: Yeah. So what you're saying is just get very specific, put pen to paper, figure it out. And how many units they need? Uh, what part of uh, reducing expenses? Was that part of your, your financial picture? Is that maybe behind the, the move to South Carolina at all? Or that that wasn't really part of that?
1: No, it was not part of it at all. I think, you know, my wife and I live a a, a very comfortable life. We We don't overspend. And we don't, you know, try to, not go to Starbucks to get a coffee if we want a coffee. And so I kind of take the Grant Cardone mentality of expenses of, you know, why try to pinch a penny and save five bucks on a coffee at Starbucks, when I should really be focused on going out and looking for a way to earn $10. And so next time I go to Starbucks, I'm going to buy two coffees if I want to. So that's kind of the mentality we have. It's all about Income producing, and I, I would feel our expenses are stable, and so we're we're comfortable with that. But everyone else may have a different viewpoint. But we we really just focus our attention on producing more income.
0: I love that. So what's what's coming up for you uh, for you now? What are you really excited about?
1: Um, I am really excited about some upcoming deals that we've got in our pipeline. We've got about 150 unit that we are. Working on raising for right now, and so we'll be closing probably in the late spring of 2019. We've got some other 200 250 unit deals that'll be coming up as well. So I'm excited about that from a personal standpoint. Um, I'm excited to be on vacation with my wife here in a little bit. We're going to do a little trip to South Africa and go see the sites, and uh, I think we're going to be meeting some investors in South Africa as well. So that will be another, you know, fun thing and kind of add that to the life resume.
0: That is awesome. Danny, how can people uh, get, in, get connected with you?
1: You want to get connected with me um, for our apartment syndication deals, go to passiveinvesting.com. If you want to specifically learn about what I've got going on, I do a blog on my RandazzoCapital.com website. And I'm also working on my second book for my children's series, Wealth Lessons for Kids. So that book will be coming out pretty soon as well.
0: That is so awesome. Danny, thanks so much for being on the show today. Michael, thank you very much for having me on. You know, after having uh, spoken to so many podcast guests and really analyzing why are some people more successful than others? What kind of person does their first deal? What person doesn't? What kind of person quits their job? and Which one doesn't? It really comes down to this one thing, deciding. And when you listen to Danny... Uh, maybe you caught it, but he and his wife had a conversation and lived out their, their lives very intentionally. They decided that enough is enough. They couldn't go on living as they did. And they made tough choices, moving and basically leaving their job. And I find that, uh, especially when both spouses are involved in the conversation and decision, it's much more powerful. And truly deciding something is the actual power. One of my favorite quotes is a Tony Robbins quote, which is on my wall here. It is in your moments of decision that your destiny is shaped. And it is so true, right? The people that truly decide something, it just happens. It almost manifests itself. Call it what you want, faith or prayer or anything like that. People who truly believe will eventually uh, we will get there versus people who who don't right? they have some doubts, there's some waffling, they send mixed signals into the universe will get exactly that. And so in the example of Danny, they were very, very clear about what they want and what they didn't want. And that's my advice to you is be very, very clear about what you want, and what you don't want. And so that's definitely advice. Uh, also really consider partnering. And we really have a lot of examples of people partnering. I don't think of partnering as necessarily as a permanent arrangement. Think of it more of joint venturing on a deal by deal basis. We joint venture with people all the time we if you're a deal finder, then partner with someone or joint venture with someone who's a money raiser. That's kind of what Danny did as, as well. If you are uh, very analytical can do Excel spreadsheets, you're detail oriented, then why don't you become the chief underwriter for someone who hates spreadsheets. And we see a lot of joint ventures and partnerships coming up around that. So really pay attention to what you're strong at and what you may be not strong at, and then partner with people who have what you don't have. It's super important. Fundamentally, though, you got to get started with your education. Whether you're a, a deal finder or your capital raiser, you got to get educated. If you're thinking of passively investing in multifamily, which you should, it's just the best alternative to the stock market right now. Get some education. We have great programs. Go to the michaelblank.com forward slash products. Check it out. Uh, really excited about our mentoring program. Uh, you can find that link on that same page. You can go to michaelblunk.com forward slash mentor. It's not for everyone, but man, it really accelerates your timeline and really allows you to go big much faster. So if that's something for you, check out michaelblunk.com forward slash mentor. And again, I just want to remind you, we have Dealmaker Live coming up July 26, 27, 28. We actually have the author of The Miracle Morning speaking, keynoting there, Hal Elrod, big influence in my life. He's going to be there. Can't wait to hang out. If you are buying the VIP experience, you'll be able to hang out with uh, with Hal and myself and a bunch of other speakers as well. So make sure you grab your tickets, deal maker live, uh, the michaelblanc.com forward slash event. All right, guys, hope you found that useful. Catch you guys next episode. Thanks for listening to the apartment building investing podcast with Michael Blanc. For more free podcasts, articles and videos, go to the there, you can also download the free ebook, The Secret to Raising Money to Buy Your First Apartment Building.
1: Till next time.